and welcome everybody to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm your host, Ted Flint. I guess the big news on the political stage is that Hillary Clinton may finally be in some trouble. That's that's the word I'm hearing from different sources. I don't believe it, frankly. I don't buy it. I mean, these, these people always skate the Obamas and the Clintons. Clinton has been dirty all of her life. And, you know, Trump said something over the weekend. He said that... Uh, he called John Durham's filings that uh, Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign had paid a tech company to infiltrate Trump Tower's servers and the White House. It's a spying operation. And in the old days, he said that would have been punishable by death. It would have been. But it's we're not in the old days. We're in the new days. There's a new normal. Trump said it's a scandal far greater in scope and in magnitude than Watergate. And those who were involved in and knew about this spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. Now, maybe it'll happen. I doubt it will. I doubt it will. But in a stronger period of time in our nation's history, this crime would have been punishable by death, is what President Trump said. And he said, and he added that reparations should be paid to those in our country who have been damaged by this. Well, he was, he's been damaged by it, but who's going to call for reparations to President Trump? Nobody. So Durham filed this motion Friday, said the Clinton campaign conducted the infiltration to establish, quote, its narrative of collusion between Trump and Russia. Now, we know that the whole thing has been a hoax since day one. And, you know, Durham could have come to this conclusion a year ago. Why didn't he? Or a year and a half ago? Because it would have been detrimental to, to, uh, to Joe Biden's presidential campaign. He could have finished it before the 2020 election. He said as much last December that the reason he didn't finish it and come to the conclusion he he came to is because he was afraid of reprisals from the incoming Biden administration. This is all happening, in my view, and I've been thinking about this. Why is everybody, even Democrats, are coming down hard on Clinton, finally? Because they don't want her around. She's talking about running for president again, and and the party establishment doesn't want that. They've been down that road. So the the party establishment, i.e. the Obamas, want to basically keep Clinton out of the picture. That's why they're coming down and we're getting all this news about possible indictments. I mean, I'll believe it when it happens. Here's something. If you travel at all, as I do each day, maybe 80 miles a day, this is good news. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'll just read you the story from the Washington Post. The Biden White House And congressional leaders, Democrats basically, are weighing a pause on federal taxes on gasoline. Now, the uh, federal tax is 18.4 cents per gallon. And some Democrats are thinking of pausing it and not going to be permanent. You know, there again, I'll believe it when it happens. But I'll read you the White House statement. Every tool is on the table to reduce prices. While President Joe Biden has already released 50 million barrels from the nation's petroleum stockpile, all options are on the table looking ahead. It's poor grammar, but it's, you know, the Biden White House. So Senator Mark Kelly of Arizona and a group of five other Dems, Senate Democrats, proposed temporarily suspending the federal uh, 18 cent a gallon, 18.4 cents a gallon on uh, the gas tax through the end of the year. Now, that would help some, 18 cents, but now it's up to 375 here in good old New York State, the People's Republic of New York State, eight three seventy five. It was three seventy nine at a Stewart's, which normally this this one particular Stewart's in the hood is usually ten or fifteen cents cheaper. But now they're three seventy nine today. 
I got gas at three forty nine or three was it three forty nine in Bennington, which I you know I go to once a week to shop for food and gas. It's so much, it's so much so much cheaper out there. So the crude oil prices a seven year high in recent days, and they're talking about cutting federal taxes. That's great. How about lifting the ban on uh, drilling on federal lands? drilling for oil and natural gas. That would help a great deal. That would send a, a message to the markets that, look, this administration is serious about uh, you know, keeping gas and uh, oil prices down. But of course, the left controls the Democratic Party. The environmental and left, they want to reduce consumption because they want to do away with fossil fuels. It's not going to happen, but that's what they're doing. Anyway, gasoline costs per, uh, I guess, the average price per gallon uh, across the country is 349. That's the average. But here in New York, again, it's 379 because New York, everything's more expensive. I want to talk a little bit about Bob Saget. Not that, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Bob Saget's, I guess, but it, it appears as though that he suffered from massive head injuries. It wasn't like he fell back and just banged his head and went to sleep and died. He had massive head injuries. Like somebody struck him in the head with a baseball bat. Those are the kinds of injuries. But I'll read you the report here. It is most probable that the uh, person who died, the decedent, uh, suffered an unwitnessed fall backwards and struck the posterior aspect of his head. This is according to Dr. Joshua Stephanie, chief medical examiner of Orange and uh, Osceola counties in Florida. However, there were fractures to the back, right, and front of Saget's skull. This is significant trauma, according to Dr. Gavin Britz, chairman of neurosurgery at Houston Methodist. This is something I find with someone with a baseball bat to the, to the head or who has fallen from 20 or 30 feet. Nobody's talking about foul play, but and it, it hasn't been even brought up yet. But I mean, no drugs or alcohol. Autopsy found no other injuries that would indicate a fall. But if you, ha- if you fracture your orbit, Dr. Britz said, referring to the bones over the eye, you have significant pain. And the sheriff's office has reported no signs of foul play at the scene. But, I mean, the, the autopsy also revealed massive brain hemorrhage uh, as a result of the damage to the skull. So, I mean, that's it is what it is. I mean, uh, I hate that. I can't believe I said that. But it's like an egg cracking, according to another doctor, Jeffrey Bazarian, a concussion expert at the University of Rochester Medical Center. You hit it in one spot and it can crack from the back to the front. So this, you know, that's a, it appears that's what happened. He's 65 years old or was. And uh, he suggested this one doctor, this Dr. Bazarian, that Saget might not have been fully conscious. I doubt he was lucid, according to Bazarian. I doubt that he thought, you know, I'm just going to go, go and sleep this off. Anyway, but that's what he's doing. He's sleeping it off all right. The eternal sleep, the eternal nap. Uh, it's, it's a sad story. I shouldn't make light of it. You know, the, the, uh, the one issue I think that's dividing this country right now more than anything apart from the vaccine mandates is this mask mandate. And it's still in effect in a lot of places, but not in Washington, D.C., of all places. D.C. will soon drop its indoor COVID mask mandate and businesses their requirement for proof of vaccination. That's going to be gone in the in the District of Columbia. In a COVID-19 situational briefing, the, the mayor of D.C., her name is uh, Muriel Bowser, 
cited improving pandemic metrics for eliminating the requirements, which were instituted back in December in response to a surge of new cases of Omicron. Since the height of the Omicron wave in D.C., cases have dropped by more than 90 percent, a 95 percent reduction in hospitalizations, according to the mayor. So we're in better shape, she said. And uh, so now we're going to adjust, you know, adjust the, the metrics. And But if it's done in D.C., why is it still not being done in parts of New York? Although it is in parts of New York, Illinois and Massachusetts, all announced plans to ease their mask mandates Last Wednesday in California, eight of the San Francisco Bay Area's nine counties announced they would follow a state government decision dropping universal indoor mask mandates beginning this week. What about New York schools? Well, nothing there yet. And that's going to be a topic of conversation this week at our local school board meeting. Why are children still required to wear masks seven for eight, seven or eight hours a day? No breaks. There used to be a mask break for lunch. No longer. It's, a, it's insane. It's not being done to protect the children. It's being done to protect the adults, the teachers, and the administrators, because most of them are Democrats. And they're afraid, basically. And it's got to end at some point. It, it will end when we end it, as, as, it, as it has in the New York State Legislature. The, I think the Capitol now has dropped its, its uh, mask requirements. I still see about maybe three quarters of people in the concourse and in the New York state government still wearing masks because three quarters of the, those people are Democrats. And they're free. If they want to wear, they feel safer, fine. But the rest of us should not be made to wear masks. And, and that's the way it's going to have to be done here. But making children who are 99.98% uh, have that's the recovery uh, rate for children, 5 to 17, that age group is at lowest risk for any serious illness or death. So why make them wear it? It makes no sense. We're not following the science. But these communist idiots who run our public school system think they can keep our children in masks. And I guess I I, I didn't ask my daughters this, but one daughter, I, we have one daughter in the public school. She wants to homeschool. So maybe this will be her last year for a while. We're not going to put up with this crap. Why would anybody? It's, it's unbelievable what goes on in our nation's public schools. There is a report. I don't have time to get to it. Well, maybe I will. Maybe I will get to it. I want to talk a little bit about Justin Trudeau to the uh, Canadian prime minister, what's going on in Canada. And I hope, it's, I hope it spills over into the States because it's, it's unbelievable what's, what's going on around not just this country, but around the world with some of these vaccine mandates. The Prime Minister, as long as I brought it up, Justin Trudeau, he looks like, like he's about 18. He and the, the rest of the liberal media, they've been denigrating the truckers of this freedom convoy. It's not a band of white supremacists, folks, or supremacists. There is no violence. They're all lies. There's no looting. There's no arson like there was last summer in Seattle and in some of the uh, democratically run states or cities, which is most of them. There's none of that. No security issues that would warrant the government rolling in tanks. And the Canadian military, to its credit, has rejected any overtures that they might be used to clear the streets. I mean, it's what's happening is it's like the new F word, as somebody wrote in, uh, I don't know where I read this. Freedom is the new F word to the left. You say freedom, they say, you know, something else. Ontario's government tried to block the donation stream it failed. GoFundMe pinched off some donations to the truckers. 
and uh, Go Send Me picked up where they left off. And that's good for them. These are not the elites. The elites want to see these people crushed. What happened to the Marxist mantra, uh, workers of the world unite? Well, some workers. If you're part of the, uh, the teachers' unions or some other kind of left-wing union, that's okay. They'll back you, but not truckers. Truckers can't work from home. They can't work remotely. It's a peaceful protest, period. Same goes for truckers in this country. I mean, there's, uh, and I hope these people and in, in these truckers in Canada are successful and the vax mandates are ended because that's what this is over. They don't want to be forced into getting a vaccine, which is still experimental. And we're all kinds of crazy stories out there about people dying from the vaccine and people with cancer having issues. I'll have to spend more time and actually delve into that more deeply. It's sad that Canada, our neighbor to the north, has got to take the lead to win back some of the freedoms taken from them in the name of public health, like they were taken from us in the name of public health. Once freedom, once these liberties are taken, it's hard to get them back, folks. Now, I want to talk a little bit about homeschooling for a couple of minutes here. And if, we, if we've learned anything about left-wing communist cultural revolutionaries over the past two years, and actually beyond that, decades, it's that they insist on conformity to their version of diversity. The, uh, an acronym for diversity, inclusion, and equity is die, oddly enough, and I hope it does die at some point. These left-wing communists are, are all for... They're all for diversity as long as you conform to their, their view of diversity. In Maryland, they're going after uh, homeschoolers in Maryland. Maryland delegate Sheila Ruth, Baltimore County Democrat, naturally recently proposed legislation in the Maryland House of Delegates that would create an advisory council to watch over and gather data on homeschooling families. Why would they want to do that? Who's going to watch the watchers? The 16-seat council would be staffed by four political appointees, you can bet that'd be all Democrats, four government officials, and eight members of the homeschool community. And I, these homeschoolers should say, nah, no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. It would gather information on the needs of homeschooling parents and homeschool umbrella schools and would effectively sweep homeschool parents under the wing of a government agency. It's about control. And these homeschooling families should say, you're not going to control us. They're not going to control us. We homeschool here in the good old People's Republic of New York. But, you know, you can see where this is going. This is exactly the sort of thing that many homeschool parents wanted to avoid and want to avoid. When they, that's why they chose that path to homeschool their children. They don't want to be under the government's watch. We want to be free from oppress the oppressive hand of government. Bethany Mandel is a conservative writer and homeschooling mother, lives in Maryland, raised the alarm about this legislation and called out Ruth on Twitter. The Homeschool Legal Defense Association, a legal support group for homeschoolers based in neighboring Virginia, also warned about the potential for abuse by this proposed advisory board. Ain't going to happen. They can advise that. They can propose that mess here in New York, and I hope they do at some point. This bill would create, according to a statement by the HSLDA, the bill would create a quasi-official source for information on homeschooling, which would, in turn, minimize the effectiveness of grassroots homeschool groups and individual advocates. 
We cannot allow that mess to come to New York State. We'll talk about it more in a future podcast. That's going to do it to it. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. If you want to tune in to some other really fine programming, go to the BMG Network, and you can check out the Ken Burns Show, the Adrian Ross Show, and the newest addition to our podcasting family, The Essentials with Maddie Flint, my daughter. She's got a good one up there we did this week. So check it all out, the BMG Network, and wherever you listen to your podcast, that's where we are. Want to contact me directly? Pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, all lowercase, at the bmgnetwork.com. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.